guy named St. Augustine. Anybody ever heard of St. Augustine? Y'all might say it. Y'all might think I'm saying it wrong. Most of us say St. Augustine. Uh, and I guess that's cool for the, for the town in Florida, but it's actually back to the real actual pronunciation of the person, St. Saint, Saint Augustine, was St. Was Saint Augustine. But anyway, St. Augustine was a major theologian, uh, major uh, Christian thinker in the 4th century, and I really can't overstate how much influence St. Augustine has had on Catholic theology, Protestant theology, across the board. Uh, he is still, his writings and his thoughts are still very, very influential. Uh, even even today in 2023, the church. So he's, again, can't really overstress what a major influence this guy was. But uh, probably his most famous, most well-known piece of work was a, uh, was, was a book that he wrote. It was called Confession or, or Confessions. And I want to quote to you one line out of that book, Confessions. Uh, that it's, it's, it's one of his most well-known uh, uh, quotes one of his one of the most well-known sayings that that, uh, that come from from Augustine himself, uh, most often quoted things. But but I want you to listen to this and, and just think about um, the truth behind this, the truth and the depth behind this statement. This is what he wrote. He says, and it's a prayer that he offers to God. But he writes, "You have made us for yourself, dear Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in." You have made us for yourself, God, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Several hundred years later, after Augustine, another guy came along that y'all hear me quote uh, pretty frequently, a guy by the name of C.S. Lewis, who was a very well-known author, uh, but also a very prominent Christian um, in the, uh, in the early, early to mid-20th centuries, uh, early to mid-20th century. And he wrote a book called Mere Christianity. I, I, wrote, I mentioned that, several, that book several weeks ago. It's one of the most well-known, uh, continues to be a very, very well-known book and, and one that continues, again, to influence the church in many ways. But here's something that Lewis wrote that is very similar in tone, very similar in nature uh, in that book, Mere Christianity. Listen, listen to this. God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. Now put those two sayings side by side. Augustine, you have made us for yourself, dear Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Lewis, God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is, there is no such thing. There is so much truth in those statements, and I should, I should have done a slide for you guys so y'all could write it down, remember it, and take it home. Uh, take it home with you. But these are powerful words, you know. I, I really feel like I could just kind of, and some of y'all probably wish I would, but I feel like that I, could, I could end this sermon kind of right here and let you guys, let you guys sit with that for a while. Let you, uh, let you take that home and really, really meditate on it. Really, really think about those, those, those statements and the richness uh, behind those words, because really there's not a whole lot more that I can say up here to expound that's going to make to expound on those, those statements that's going to make them any clearer than they already are. If you want to, if you want to, if you want me to remind you, let me know after the service. I'll, I'll be glad to print those out for you. But the fact is, here's what they're talking about: We are restless people by nature. Human beings are restless, restless people, and we're always searching for something. We're always searching for something. We are always on some kind of quest. Maybe it's a quest for contentment. A, a quest for happiness, for peace, 
quest for joy. And what's the big one? We're all on a quest for love, right? I don't think there's a person that's in this sanctuary who denied that at some point in their life, at least, they were on some kind of quest for love, whether it's human love or godly love, whatever. We're always restless, seeking out these things. Like so many of us, St. Augustine, C.S. Lewis spent a good portion of their lives seeking happiness and seeking contentment through all kinds of other means besides God. There's a reason that Augustine's book was called Confessions. And since this is a PG-rated sermon, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail in that, but you can certainly, you can certainly, uh, try to, you can certainly probably figure out some of that stuff on your own. So we all go through it. We all go through our lives seeking something, something bigger than ourselves. And God actually talked about this. God actually talked about our nature and our propensity to seek all of these things outside of him. Outside of him. And he offers us some great words of, of invitation and some great words of encouragement. Those are printed in your bulletin from Isaiah 55. It's Isaiah 55, 1 through 3. I want to read through that and uh, kind of dissect it a little bit, maybe, maybe give you guys a clearer idea of what I'm talking about this morning. Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 3, the prophet writes these words. God speaks through the prophet who's writing these words. He says, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me. And eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear, come to me, listen, that you may live. You might think that God's trying to tell us something by the number of times that you see that word listen in such a short sentence, such a short space. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love that was promised to David. It's the word of God for the people of God. Even before Jesus came to earth, to show us the nature of God, which we have talked about so, so very much here. Even before that happened, long, long before Jesus came to earth, God reveals to us his incredible love and his incredible compassion. He extends to his people, who were in exile, by the way, at this time. He extends to his people, he extends to us this awesome, incredible invitation of grace and love through some pretty beautiful and poetic and uh, metaphorical language here. Bring up but the uh, first part of that again, Alex, if you will. Just check out some of this language that, this, that the prophet uses. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. We know that this idea of thirst and this idea, this, this, uh, this visualization that we get of water throughout the, uh, throughout the Bible, it's in the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament, we know that's a very prominent metaphor a lot of times. So you probably recognize that. It, because it's something that we can relate to. Thirst is something that we can relate to. We've all been thirsty, right? This is talking about spiritual thirst, as it generally is in, when, we're, when we're talking metaphors in the Bible. But anyway, these are beautiful words. Come you who are thirsty, come to the waters. What are you thirsting for? Folks, are you thirsting for love? Are you thirsting for joy? Are you thirsting for peace, for happiness, for contentment? Come to the waters. 
God says, my waters. Y'all may recall that Jesus used this metaphorical term waters a lot in the New Testament. John 7, y'all probably recognize these words. Jesus himself said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from within them. But God's offer of grace, God's invitation to us here in the book of Isaiah extends beyond just our thirst. You also see the words, you who have no money, come and buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk. On to verse 2 there. You will delight in the richest of fare. Where is that at? Go to the next one. You will delight in the richest of fare. What in the world does that mean? It means that you'll have rich food. It means that the life with God, that the life that God offers us is full and it's rich beyond anything we can possibly, possibly imagine. And how much does it cost? Nothing. Nothing. It's absolutely free. Come and take it, God says. Come and take it. God offers us all of this without money and without cost. Thank you, Alex. You're getting good at this, brother. Without money and without cost cost. Absolutely free gift. And then God kind of goes a little further. He almost gets to the point in these scriptures where he pleads with us to accept this offer. Why spend your money on what is not bread? Not physical bread, folks. What do we hunger for? All these things that, we're, that our souls are hungering and thirsting for. Why spend your money on these things that are not bread? In other words, why spend your time why spend your effort? Why spend your resources on those things that will not bring us nourishment, that will not bring us real spiritual nourishment and fulfillment? Why spend our labor on those things that do not satisfy? What do we work? This isn't necessarily, although it can apply to that, this is not necessarily talking about our day jobs. What do we strive for? What is what's in our heart that we put so much effort into daily? Why do we do this that things that ultimately don't satisfy us? Why do we work so hard for personal esteem from other people? Just a couple examples. Why do we work so hard for material wealth and material accumulation? Why do we work so hard for the approval of others, pursuits that will never, ever, ever give you what I can offer to you? God says, please, please come and take Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, God says. These words are an invitation, and I've used that word a couple of times now, but these words out of Isaiah 55 are an invitation for us. They are an invitation into the greatest gift of all time. And I don't say that to be melodramatic. I say that because I believe it. I say it because, like I said last week, I have staked my very life and I have staked my very reputation on this one singular truth, that this is the greatest invitation that any of us will ever, ever receive. It is the gift of the presence of God. It is the gift of the presence of God in our lives, a relationship like no other we have ever had nor will we, will we ever have where we are absolutely loved 100% unconditionally where we are cared for 
and we are, when we are guided in our lives by the wisdom and the care of the creator of the universe, the very source of that word love itself. You know, most of y'all know my story by this point. I've been with you over two years, and, and, I've, and I've, I've alluded to it from time to time. Y'all know that there was a period in my life, actually there's a very long period, an off and on period, <clears throat> where I sought happiness through other things that weren't God. I sought, contempt, I sought contentment and joy through things that were certainly not God and certainly things that were not of God. I sought it through alcohol. I, thought it, I sought it through other substances. Some other personal things that I haven't told you about, I don't believe, is that sometimes I sought joy, sometimes I sought happiness. I pause because I'm making my wife sweat. She wants to know what I'm about to say yet, what I'm about to say next. <laughs> I sought joy and I sought happiness. I sought contentment through, uh, through notoriety. Uh, I was a. Uh, I, I used to work in newspaper for a while, and it was a high. It was a. It was. A, it was an ego boosting thing to see that newspaper printed and to see my byline next to uh, next to a uh, a photograph or or a news story. Believe it or not, there was a period in my life in the in my early early twenties where I was a, where I was a disc jockey on the, on a local radio station, and there was something you know just so egotistically filling about those things. And my voice is going, "Oh, look at me! Look at me! Big shot." How many of us do something similar, though? Where do we seek our joy and our happiness? Maybe it is through substances. Maybe it is through the approval of other people. That's what I'm getting at. That's what was really behind all of that, all of that that I just mentioned. Always seeking the approval of other people. That was my life story for decades. No fulfillment in that. No fulfillment in that. And I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes, you know, sometimes having a lot of money is, can be fulfilling. It can bring us a little bit of joy, bring us a little bit of happiness. But it's only temporal. It's only temporary. It's not going to last. Certainly substance use, the, 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 which, which, what you get is not worth it. It's not going to last. All these other things that we seek, even relationships, even relationships. If God's not the is not the center of my life, my relationships, and seeking, seeking the approval of another human being. It's just not, it's not, it's not going to pay off, folks. God cannot give us contentment and joy and happiness and love and peace in our hearts apart from Him because apart from Him, these things do not exist. That's a pretty bold statement, and I, and I get that's a bold statement. But I believe 100% that that is absolute truth. We are restless people, and our hearts are restless until they rest in God. As Augustine wrote hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of years ago, not a bit of that stuff that I just talked about brought me any kind of any any kind of lasting joy, folks. There was no lasting contentment. There was no lasting happiness. None. Again, if it did, if it was only it was only temporary and fleeting. Just like all of these other things that we do, all of these other things that we seek 
to fill our souls with, 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 with what we're searching for so badly. All these avenues that we go down searching and searching, guess what? They're all dead-end streets. They're all dead-end avenues. They're simply fleeting fragments of illusion. Our hearts are restless until they rest in God. If you're searching outside of God, and I think most everybody in here is a Christian, that, that I know all, every single person in this, in this sanctuary this morning, but just in case, you know, if you're searching for something outside of God, let me encourage you to accept that invitation. It's, it's the best invitation you're ever going to get. And Christians, you know, Christians, now, now, now I'll beat up on the Christians. Christians are just as guilty of this as, as non-Christians. It's so easy for us to get caught up, to get tied up in, in, in the status quo of our culture and the expectations of our culture and the desires of our culture. We are flooded. You know, my parents used to talk about this stuff when, when I was a kid, and, and I thought it was a bunch of nonsense. But as a parent myself, I see a lot of this more clearer, much more clearer than I did back then when I was, when I was a kid. I consider all of this stuff that's, in, that's, that's coming in and influencing me, for one thing, my wife, but certainly my son. You know, and, and, and I, I see the advertisements. I see, I see, I see the peer pressure. And, and adults, we have peer pressure. And, and, and I see the entertainment and, and all this stuff that's just, that's just telling me what I need to be. It's telling me I need to be more. It tell, it's telling me I need to own more. I need to look a certain way. I need to act a certain way. I need to own certain things in order to fit in, in order for people to like me, to get the approval of people. That's the message that we send out. That's being sent out. That's the message we receive. And we, unfortunately, are just as tempted or just as susceptible. It's, it's, it, to a degree, it's victimhood. But we are just as susceptible to these things as anybody else. So I'm going to challenge you Christians to look for that stuff in your life. Look for that stuff in your life. Look for that stuff that you're searching. And all of us are searching. All of us are searching. What are you searching for? And what is method or what avenue are you utilizing in your life that you think is going to bring you those things? What do you think is going to bring you that happiness, that joy, that peace, contentment, all of those things that every single love, love. There's not a person I've ever met in my entire life that didn't want to be loved. What avenues are you going down that you think are going to provide you these things? Because if it ain't God, if it ain't Christ, it's not going to last because it doesn't exist outside of God. Amen.